the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we learn anything from the model is that the way he wants us to love him and to love one another is to posture ourselves in the posture of a servant. He is a marvelous model for us to follow. Over the last couple of days, we have spent time looking at John 13, verses 1 through 17, the serving leader. Jesus is the model that is worth following. We're going to continue examining chapter 13 and these first 17 verses. It's a marvelous expression of amazing love. At the end of the day, if you really want to know how to love, you need to learn how to serve. And as we're finding out, we can only serve when the Spirit of God has been born within us. Here's Pastor Phil with more. This was what was on his mind. John 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love to the uttermost. He's going to love them as much as you can love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash. I'm trying to get the R out of it. Began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And I believe that's after his death and resurrection. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. This is interesting. His feet were washed. He washes the feet of Judas. But this takes on a deeper meaning. The washing is a deep spiritual cleansing. Even though Judas had his feet washed, he never had his heart changed. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. 
Do you understand what I have done for you? That very question shows you it's more than a literal foot washing that's taking place. If it was just the physical washing of feet, it would be a kind of a needless question. But do you guys catch on to the significance of what I've done? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, he doesn't tell them to do what he did, but to do as he did. See, someone, a ordinance of foot washing, and if you want to wash feet in church, that's great. I've been to it. I don't put that down. But someone insists that an ordinance is being established. I think a model is being presented of the servant love spirit that he wants duplicated, and we do it in many more ways besides just washing feet. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Read with me Galatians 5:13. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command: love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, Watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. You'll either love one another or destroy one another. John 13, what's going on? It's a model worth following. It's a model we're commanded to follow. The first 11 verses is the example of what he did. The leaving the meal, taking the towel, Washing the feet of the disciples, loving them to the uttermost. A living parable in front of them. The example is there. He begins in verse 12 through 17 to give us the exhortation to emulate that model, to carry it out in our relationship with one another. In verse 34 and 35 happens to be the effects of that model when it's carried out. When we love one another as following the example of Christ in that upper room, verse 34 takes place. A new command I give you, love one another. We ask, how? As I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We considered last week what was going on in that upper room. And we know that 
love turned into service. Love stoops to serve. He wants to show them the utmost degree of how much he loves them. And the most he can do is to leave his role as the God-man, as it were, and assume the role of a servant. And it's exactly what Philippians said. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, though previously existing from eternity in the outward expression of deity, he thought it not a thing to be held on to at all costs, to empty himself and take to himself the form of a bond slave, and even to take a human nature and die the death of a criminal. He willingly gave that up and he said to the church, this kind of thinking is the kind of thinking that should permeate the church. The willingness to stoop down from privilege and to assume the role of servants. And this is exactly what's being lived out in front of them. No one else thought about washing feet. Everybody else in the room is either betraying or competing to be first. And Christ does what not one of the men would think of doing by which Peter is insulted that he is doing. He takes the role of the servant bond slave. What he does in that room, he says that love will produce service that's not based upon the world. The Greeks and the Jews said the whole goal of life was to be in charge, not to be a slave, not to have your feet washed. It's being in charge that counts, being first. And Christ said, among you, it shall not be like the Gentiles who dominate, get armies, try to be first, use power and authority. Among you, I have come as one who serves. Among my own, the servant spirit will be greatness. The servant spirit will be what I will cheer. It's not what the world will ever teach us to do. Christ shows us in this room that love lets him choose service as a self-chosen vocation. He was not forced to do what he did. He did it gladly. I want us to look at several things. Christ is the model for how we love. Two, I want to see the manner in which that love was expressed. And three, I want to just share what a meaningful life looks like. The meaningful life is learning to lovingly serve. The model, Christ. Love will find a way to serve the one it loves. That's what he does. I love you, man. I Now I'm looking for a vehicle to convey it. What will I do? I'll remove myself from the upward position as Lord and Master and take the role of the servant. What was the underlying motivation of the service? He loved his own to the uttermost. I, I think sometimes in the church, it is a, a pitiful thing we go through. Sometimes, how much effort is spent trying to recruit people to serve, for instance. We have a, a Suzette Zaragoza that works with Rich Rollins, and we have a third base where we try to recruit people, match their gifts and desires to different ministries in the church. And that's a wonderful ministry. Uh, and so we're trying to give you bridges and 
uh, pathway to service if you want to serve. But I think a wrong thing is to always try to talk people into service. What needs to be settled is a love issue. It's loving Christ that is the major issue of life. Christ asked Peter in John 20, do you love me? Yeah, Lord. He's not real bold now. He's already denied him three times. He's not going to make the same mistake. He's rather timid. Yeah, I love you. If you love me, you'll take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Do you really love me, Peter? Oh, yeah, I think I do. Take care of my lambs. Next time, do you love me? I, I think I really do, and he did. If you love me, I'm going to give you a vehicle by which you can display it. How is it? Rendering a service to my sheep. Do something for my people. Christ never did tell these men in the upper room to love him. He told them to love one another. But only loving Christ enables you to love one another. Only loving Christ makes you love his sheep. Sometimes we are down on his sheep, but Christ is never down on his sheep. He dies for his sheep. And so sometimes I hear recruitment, oh, let's talk you into a Sunday school class, or let's talk. And so we become a master salesman, and we've got to talk you into something you don't want to do anyway. Please don't let us do it, because you won't get any reward for it. Because if I prophesy, and I know all mysteries, and I speak in the tongues of men and angels, and have not love, it profits me nothing. If you dropped any money in the plate today and it wasn't a love gift, you don't get any credit, but we won't refund your money. <laughs> but you, nothing went on the ledger up above. God only records love gifts. He doesn't record compulsion gifts. Don't, don't let us make you give. Don't let anybody talk you into service. The big issue is love will find a way to serve. When the love issue is right, and here Christ says, I love you men. This moves me to serve you. Nobody's got a gun at my head. Nobody's talking me into it. Love finds a way to serve those it loves. Christ modeled this by taking the towel, by emptying himself. He the master, the sender, he models something that they will never forget all their lives in that upper room. The king of kings and the lord of lords would stoop to serve such sinful men. What's his method with us? If we learn anything from the model is that the way he wants us to love him and to love one another is to posture ourselves in the posture of a servant. Uh, it's important the way we carry ourselves. 
Are we here to serve? Christ said in Matthew 20, I am among you as one who serves. I came to lay down my life as a ransom. And in the room, the men were competing. Their mother had spoken up for James and John. Luke 22, they get in a fight in the upper room over the greatness. And he says, I'm not among you in a haughty role. The God-man is called the suffering servant in Isaiah. God would assume the role of a bond slave. That's the role he wants us to emulate. Uh, Love does something, and I think this is very important. I don't want you to miss this. It might be one of the most important things I could say. Love finds the right way to communicate its love to the object it loves so that it's unmistakable to the object that they've been loved. Christ took something that was culturally understood. You're doing slaves' work. The Jews wouldn't let a fellow Jew wash their feet. The Greeks only got slaves to do it. But he picked a model that just encapsulated service, humility, preference for them, the towel. He picked a means and a vehicle so that in verse 34 and 35, love as I have just loved you. I loved you by washing your feet. I loved you by serving you. I loved you by stooping to be your servant. We must find the way to love those in our life that we say we love. Sometimes I hear this, I love her, I just don't know how to tell her. Why don't you? Why don't you go to school to learn? If you study language at all, let's do a little language class. If you were taking translation work, they talk about the sender of a message. I'm now the sender. I'm picking words in this sermon, and these words are what they call in language studies code language. I'm picking a code by which to talk to you. So I'm picking my words, my illustration, even my body. I'm trying to use voice, inflection, body. I'm trying to underscore. I want you to hear it, get it. If I give you a sermon that you don't understand, I've wasted my time and yours. The old teaching adage is, if a student hasn't learned, the teacher hasn't taught. If the people don't understand the preacher, the preacher hasn't communicated. So when God wants to communicate to us in this upper room, the sender Christ says, I choose a means you'll understand. I'll act it out parabolically. And you'll receive the message. We must conduct ourselves among one another so that we communicate our love in understandable terms. If the people around you don't know that you love them, they're as bad off as if you didn't love them. Say it again, that's deep. If the people around you never understand that you love them, They're as bad off as if you didn't love them. It's like the man 
took his wife to the counselor. And she was cold and indifferent and they were having a tough time working out the problem. And all of a sudden the counselor came around and he just kissed the woman and she just lit up. And the husband said, what in the world did you do? He said, you saw it, I just kissed her. She came alive. He said, she needs something like this three times a week. He said, well, I can get her here on Monday, but I don't know about Wednesday and Friday. (laughs) Clueless. Clueless. And we're that way. Christ can communicate his love so you know what he's doing to you. I, I see it a lot. I see it in marriages. Uh, I see it tonight. My message is on the adoption uh, analogy in salvation. And a lot of family images come to me as I'm going to deal with this tonight. You ought to come tonight if you just want to learn about how a family ought to look like. Uh, Because adoption and salvation has that very concept. But I've seen so many Christian homes that are rigid. Uh, They're not warm. There's not affection. There's only rules. Rules. Your kids got to go to church. Your kids got to do your room. Your kids got to. They've got a regiment there. It could be a marine barracks. Because that seems to echo. This is a godly home. Johnny, let's have devotions. And read about how God loves you. And the kid says, God might, but I don't know that you do. It's interesting, the assignment of loving when you have grandchildren. Eight-month-old granddaughter, ten-year-old granddaughter, four-year-old grandson, nine-year-old, a wife. Now, if I want to communicate to those five people that I love them, I've got to totally do different things. If I talk to a 10-year-old like I would an 8-month-old, it'd be boring, maybe insulting. It just wouldn't connect. If I talk to my wife like I talk to the 10-year-old, it probably wouldn't connect. I said, could you up it a little bit? You see, whoever you're talking to, communicating to, we've got to make it our business to find a mechanism by which we communicate love. And Christ, to communicate his love, picked two vehicles. This is the way he did it. He would serve his own and he would sacrifice himself for his own. And he said, there is no greater love among men than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Christ will do that the next day. But while you're in this life, serve to show your love. Love, who knows how to love? You'd be amazed at how many of our young people, it was so moving to see a graduation night this past week as some of our young men were honored and the youth department, you just want to wipe your eyes. I'm so moved. Uh, Young men who uh, don't know their father, the father's not in the home, different heart. I think they receive the greatest amount of affirmation and affection in their life in the ministry of this youth group. It means a lot when you're loved. 
Well, as we come to the close of our time today, here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program, a question about your own relationship with Christ. Maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855 833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. One other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry. Whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift, small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855-833-9864. Or you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today.